The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. For more episodes and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash oncall. In her 50s, we are finding that the balance of estrogen therapy remains quite favorable, even if she's had her ovaries removed. Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. Today's podcast is based upon an article in the September 10th issue of the Annals of Internal Medicine 2019. The title is Menopausal Estrogen Alone Therapy and Health Outcomes in Women with and Without Bilateral Oophorectomy. Discussing this article is the first author, Dr. Joanne E. Manson. She is Professor of Medicine and the Michael and Lee Bell Professor of Women's Health at Harvard Medical School professor in the Department of Epidemiology, the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, and the chief of the Division of Preventive Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Dr. Manson is principal investigator of several research studies, including the Women's Health Initiative Clinical Center in Boston. She's a past president of the North American Menopause Society. I believe you'll find her discussion of this very important article to be very helpful in your care of women who have received a hysterectomy. Well, Joanne, welcome to our podcast, and thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. I thought this is fascinating because while I no longer do primary care, I did primary care for a long time, and the whole controversy over the use of estrogen in women really changed during my practice years. And so what I'd like you to do is tell the audience about the study and put it into the context of what we're no longer doing that we were doing of a lot of postmenopausal estrogen. And so just take your time and explain this study because it's fascinating. Well, this study was done in the context of the Women's Health Initiative, which was a large randomized trial of estrogen alone in women with hysterectomy, which was the focus of this particular study, and estrogen plus progestin in women with intact uterus. And in 2002, there was a sea change in clinical practice after the publication of the estrogen plus progestin results in the Women's Health Initiative. Generally, the risks outweighed the benefits in this study population that was on average 63, 64 years old at enrollment. Two years later, in 2004, the estrogen alone results in women with hysterectomy were published, and the results were actually more neutral, and there was even a suggestion of a favorable balance of benefits and risks in the younger women. In the estrogen alone trial, the women who were 50 to 59 had a signal for reduction in all-cause mortality, especially with longer-term follow-up. And, and generally, the benefits appeared to balance or be slightly more favorable 
um, more common than the risks in the younger age group. But in the older women, especially the women who were 70 to 79, there was still an unfavorable balance of benefits and risks. So we wanted to look at the estrogen alone trial, the women who had had hysterectomy, according to whether or not they had had their ovaries removed and had bilateral oophorectomy to understand if the differences we were seeing by age group and this age trend where the younger women tended to do better than the older women was true for the women who had their ovaries removed as well as for the women with conserved ovaries. So this was the first look at this question in the context of a randomized clinical trial. There had been other observational studies suggesting that women who have especially early removal of early surgical menopause, especially before age 45, tend to do well with estrogen therapy. It may counteract some of the excess risk of heart disease, osteoporosis that can occur in women with early menopause. But this had never been looked at in a randomized trial setting. Well, that's great. So I'm going to restate this. The study that most of us think about not giving estrogens is really an estrogen progesterone in women who've not had a hysterectomy. And we're just looking at women who've had a hysterectomy, and now we're separating out women who've had a hysterectomy with an oophorectomy and studying them separately from the women who had a hysterectomy but no oophorectomy. That's correct. In both groups, there's been a very major decline in the use of estrogen and uh, hormone therapy since the Women's Health Initiative results in 2002. For estrogen plus progestin, it's been close to a 70-80% reduction and nearly as large a reduction for estrogen alone. So people are extrapolating from that study to women who've had hysterectomies. And now by looking at this Women's Health Initiative study, we can say, should we treat women who've had a hysterectomy differently? Yes. Now, this population was not being studied right after their bilateral oophorectomy. So that's an important concept. There is a recommendation from many professional societies, such as the North American Menopause Society, the Endocrine Society, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, that generally women who have early surgical menopause should be seriously considered for estrogen alone therapy unless they have a contraindication. But that is usually started even before age 50. And we were looking at a study population that was 50 to 79. Many of these women were more than a decade since the time of their oophorectomy. So that is an important nuance to understand in interpreting these findings. Well, you've really started describing Table 1. And one of the things that I love in randomized controlled trials is looking at Table 1 understanding who the patients are so I can see whether or not it applies to my patient. And maybe you could go over some of the significant things in Table 1. And Table 1 is, who's in the study? So the women in the estrogen alone trial, as well as the estrogen plus progestin trial, were age 50 to 79 at baseline. Their average age in the estrogen alone trial was 64. 
It was a diverse study population. It was overall about 13, 14% African American, about 5% Hispanic, and uh, close to 77% white. So overall, this study population was diverse compared to many other study populations for hormone therapy and, and other trials. It was generally a usual risk population. There are very, very few women who had prior history of cardiovascular disease. They were excluded if they had a prior history of cancer. And they had an average body mass index of 29. So that's very close to what's categorized as obese. So they're, they're overweight. It's a large population. As I read the randomization, the ones with the oophorectomy, they're about 4,000 people randomized, and the ones without oophorectomy is close to 6,000 randomized. Yes. Yeah, a total of close to 10,000 in this study. So we have big numbers, and big numbers really enable you to find out if there's anything really significant going on. So this looks like you excluded very few people from here because this looks like the patients that we take care of in our practices. There were very, very few exclusions. They were excluded only if we didn't know if they had one ovary removed or we didn't know their ovary status. But anyone who was reporting that both ovaries had been removed or that they had a simple hysterectomy, they were included in this analysis. Great. So let's go into the findings because I actually found this fascinating and I'm certainly no expert at all on this topic. So I was learning as I was reading it. If you look across all age groups from 50 to 79, there actually were minimal differences between the effect of estrogen, the women who had bilateral oophorectomy versus conserved ovaries. However, we had a prior interest, you know, this was a pre-specified hypothesis to look at these results by age group because overall in the estrogen alone trial, there was that signal that younger women were doing better, especially for all-cause mortality. So we broke it down by age group. And interestingly, we saw important differences by age group among the women who had prior oophorectomy and very little difference by age group among the women who had conserved ovaries. So we saw that among the women with bilateral oophorectomy, the younger women who are 50 to 59 at the time they were randomized to estrogen therapy did tend to have favorable outcomes on estrogen therapy, the general pattern of benefits outweighing risks, and with long-term follow-up up to 18 years, there was a statistically significant 32% reduction in all-cause mortality that emerged. However, in contrast to this, among the older women who were 70 to 79 at randomization, there was an adverse pattern of benefits and risks and an increase in what we call the global index, which is a cumulative endpoint. It's an aggregate endpoint of many of the serious chronic diseases. And the older women tended to do poorly on estrogen therapy compared to placebo. So let me restate this. Um, in the big picture, there didn't seem to be much differences, but when you do subgroup analysis, women in their 50s who had had an oophorectomy seems to benefit significantly by 
being put on estrogen in this study, and women over 70 who'd had a hysterectomy who were put on estrogen had worse outcomes if they were on estrogen. Yes, the women over 70 who also had bilateral oophorectomy did tend to do poorly on estrogen therapy. Overall, the risks appeared to outweigh the benefits, whereas the younger women, 50 to 59, who had the bilateral oophorectomy tended to have favorable outcomes, especially with the long-term follow-up for all-cause mortality. That's correct. So the women who have a simple hysterectomy, estrogen has neither benefit nor harm in any of the three age groups. Is that correct? So among the women with conserved ovaries, estrogen therapy had neutral effects. It was generally, I would say, the balance of benefits and risks was still somewhat favorable in the 50 to 59-year age group, but not as favorable as for the women who had bilateral oophorectomy. That is fascinating. So how do you put this together? Uh, let's say I'm in, uh, in primary care and women are coming to me and for some reason they had not been put on estrogen. They go for a hysterectomy and the gynecologist is not planning to follow them because I'm doing the, their primary care. How should we interpret all these results? How should we put them into our practice? So there continues to be a general recommendation that women who have early surgical menopause, whether that is defined as before age 45 or even before age 50, it's very reasonable to treat with estrogen therapy up until at least the average age at natural menopause, which would be around age 51. So that is already a clinical recommendation. And the WHI, because women were so much older, age 64 on average, this study was actually not addressing that specific question, but it was looking at whether once these women get into the older age groups in their 50s, 60s, 70s, whether age is modifying the health outcomes on estrogen therapy. And we are not recommending that estrogen therapy be initiated routinely in a woman's 50s or 60s if she's had her ovaries removed just to try to reduce mortality long-term because we don't think that it's totally clear in that scenario that the benefits will outweigh the risk. We find that these results are reassuring for the use of estrogen therapy even after the average age of natural menopause, even a woman in her 50s who has other indications for estrogen therapy, such as she continues to have hot flashes, night sweats, or symptoms that disrupt sleep, impair quality of life she would continue to be a reasonable candidate for estrogen therapy into her 50s, whether or not she had her ovaries removed, but particularly if she had her ovaries removed, there would be an overall a favorable pattern of benefits and risks. And estrogen therapy should not be denied to women after that average age of menopause if they've had a hysterectomy or, or bilateral oophorectomy. I really, I love the way you, that you described that because I think that that's something very useful. 
when patients have symptoms that estrogen can improve and they've had a hysterectomy in their, in their 50s and maybe even in their 60s, the side effects that we saw with the estrogen-progesterone combination in women who'd not had a hysterectomy don't apply as much to this group because they've had a hysterectomy using estrogen alone. And I think that'll, that'll be very reassuring for primary care physicians who have such patients who have continued hot flashes and difficulty sleeping, that it's okay to put them on estrogen alone. Yes, and it may be that a woman who has had her ovaries removed, once she's had very, very low levels of estrogen, because there's an abrupt decline in estrogen and all of the sex steroid hormones from the ovaries, if there's a really extended, prolonged period of low hormone levels, then initiating estrogen therapy when you're in your 70s, you know, decades after going through bilateral oophorectomy, that may actually have harmful, deleterious effects. So there does seem to be a difference by age. We are interpreting this as likely related to the amount of time a woman has had, you know, the low estrogen levels. If she is still in her 50s, we are finding that the balance of estrogen therapy remains quite favorable, you know, even if she's had her ovaries removed, and that should not be denied to her if she has other indications for treatment, such as hot flashes, night sweats. So we did see with conjugated estrogen, which was what was tested in the WHI, it was the most common formulation of estrogen therapy used at the time the study started in the early 1990s, that it was associated with a lower risk of breast cancer. You know, the, act, the group that received estrogen alone therapy actually had lower rates of breast cancer than the group receiving placebo. But this was very different from the results in the estrogen plus progestin trial where there was an increased risk of breast cancer. So it's important to keep in mind that these formulations, estrogen alone versus estrogen plus progestin, may have different effects on breast cancer. And also, this study was looking at conjugated estrogen, which is a very specific type of estrogen that may be somewhat weaker than a woman's endogenous estrogen or estradiol. And we don't yet know from randomized trials that the breast cancer findings can be extrapolated to all the different formulations of estrogen alone therapy. So that is something to keep in mind. These results apply to the conjugated estrogen alone trial. But regardless, we do not recommend initiating estrogen therapy in a woman who's even in her 50s if she has no other indications for treatment. There's some controversy about bone health, whether that's an indication I think there are strong arguments to be made on both sides of that, but what is well recognized is that moderate to severe hot flashes, night sweats, especially those that disrupt sleep, impair quality of life would be an indication for treatment. Certainly for a woman well into you know her 50s, and oh, she should not be uh, denied treatment. And the estrogen alone generally has that more favorable balance of benefits and risks among women in their 50s because breast cancer does not appear to be as much of a factor. Well, I think this is a really useful article, and I'm certain that this is a problem that anyone who has a large woman's health population 
has confronted, and I believe that your explanation, the study you did with your colleagues, really is very informative towards a path for providing some relief to these women without feeling like you're putting them at risk. So thank you so much for doing the study and for joining our podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. This study of hysterectomy with oophorectomy and contrasting with hysterectomy without oophorectomy is very important in comparing this to the other studies of postmenopausal estrogen. In the studies we're most familiar with, there was a combination of estrogen and progesterone because the women still had a uterus. In this study, they only used conjugated estrogens, and that probably explains the difference in the findings. The most important findings are that in women who have symptoms aged 50 to 59 after hysterectomy and oophorectomy, it is totally safe and perhaps even protective to use conjugated estrogens to treat their symptoms. But in the age 70 to 79 group, even after an oophorectomy, it's probably harmful to give conjugated estrogens. In contrast, in the patients who've not had an oophorectomy, the data do not suggest either protective nor a harmful problem with conjugated estrogens. Therefore, symptoms alone can direct your therapy at at least the patients between 50 and 59 and likely the patients between 60 and 69. We hope that this study and the discussion will help you better approach women who are in this situation. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. For more episodes of Annals on Call and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash on call. Participants' statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the Journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified. The information contained in the podcast should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment.